know I'm gonna snap on the throne like, yo, come and get me. Standing out here in the daylight, I'ma get mine, so don't try to hide again. I am a wild man, there's no denying that I am Goliath inside of this lion's den. I am the eye of the storm, trying to find me a war with a shield and a sword. It's built to protect in this blade, cutting through anyone here with a wire and cord. I'm getting bored, send anyone out there alive anymore. Excuse me, murdered, and I am the punisher coming to settle the score. Welcome to 100% Elite. I am your host, Jeff Englert. Sorry. And this is episode 15. So with everything still shut down with the uh, um, virus that will not be named, we're going to just treat this thing like it's fucking Voldemort from Harry Potter and stop talking about it. So um, with everything still shut down, uh, as you know, the news has been a little bit lackluster because they haven't been able to roll out as much stuff as they want to. Big matches, things like that are being canceled. Um, we do have a little bit of news this week, and it is that the Revival, uh, their contract's up. And they've been kind of hinting at a possible AEW um, contract or debut or something like that which would be great for them. They can always put in the clause, because I know both of them liked working in Japan, that they can go over there and do their thing. You know what I'm saying? That they don't have to be locked down to one company and um, and only do that kind of stuff. But AEW would be a great place for them, not only to become part of the Four Horsemen with Sean Spears, which I think would be awesome, but <laughs> um, tag team division in AEW is like on the forefront. It's like their main attraction. It's not just a singles place where you can see a big guy destroy everybody and keep the title for a million years and barely be on television. <clears throat> um, <laughs> but their tag team titles actually mean something. And I think the revival really want to work somewhere where they're going to not only it's not about the push I don't think I think it's the creativity that they that all these wrestlers always talk about open creativity able to cut promos and that their tag matches are actually meaning something the revival can main event a tag match in AEW in WWE I'm sorry they I, I mean maybe it's few and far between but a tag match has never main evented WrestleMania if you know what I mean, you know what I'm saying? Maybe one time it has. I don't really know. I don't know the entire history of fucking WrestleManias, but I, I know it rarely fucking happens if it ever did. So the revival being able to main event a pay-per-view with AEW, uh, big time pay-per-view where tons of people are going to see it and it would be a great thing for them to do. I mean, that's like a big deal, especially with wrestlers. Most eyes seeing you do what you love the most. And I think the Revival and AEW would mesh very well. Now, we do have the Fuck the Revival chants that are probably going to be very, very heavy when they come out. That's fine. Be heels, man. Um, I, like I said a little bit earlier, uh, like a couple seconds ago, um, the Revival and Sean Spears should be three. I don't know who the fourth member could be. I mean, Hangman's looking like a heel turn. He could be the fourth member of the four the new four horsemen they can call him something else but i mean he literally is a horse just put it that way <laughs> hangman adam page um he could bring his uh horse hunter horm the hunter horse helmsley or whatever his name oh wait a minute he's dead uh 
Oh, okay. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> um, anyways, but yeah, that would be a cool stable. Those four guys, uh, just, you know, basically, somebody's going to have to have gold uh, in there. I guess Hangman's got part of the tag. He'd probably have to drop the tag titles and pr- when they t- drop them to the Young Bucks or something like that. And then finally do that turn. Because I think that's who he's, they're going to drop him to. That's their segue into the Young Bucks becoming champs. That way they don't actually beat an established tag team um, like the Lucha Bros or something like that for the titles. Because in my opinion, if they don't have like a great big long run, then uh, it's not that the title doesn't mean anything. It's just uh, it makes it a little less. Like how, I feel like I keep shitting on them, but... Like the WWE, they change title tag titles constantly. It's like fucking every other week, it seems. There's a new fucking tag champs. It, it, it's ridiculous. They don't have title reigns like they used to anymore. I mean, I think the fucking... The, besides Brock Lesnar, they change that shit constantly. All their main titles, too. So that's why I really like how AEW is taking a real... Um, a real power stance is uh, how I'm going to put it with their titles. Basically, you're going to hold it for a while. This thing is a big deal. You're going to defend it. Um, and it's going to be big matches, you know, big time matches only. They're not going to just put you, oh, uh, you know, jobber number one's getting a tag or, a you know, jobber number one. You know what I mean? Like a little guy's going to go for the title every fucking week or every pay-per-view it doesn't have to happen that way. There can be more storylines built on it, big-time matches. Um, I'm just kind of rambling right now, but that was the news. <laughs> Fucking The Revival probably coming to AEW, probably have some stipulations in their contract as to going to work in Japan, or uh, it, it might be just strictly AEW. They might think, hey, this is the place to be, um, and that's it. So I'm... I think the Young Bucks have kind of already, I don't think it's the Young Bucks' fault. I think uh, they were either on their website or something like that. It got taken down pretty quickly, but it was all over Twitter. Um, If you're in the text thing with the Young Bucks, uh, they like sent out a message basically saying, you know, kind of, we know something you don't know. (laughs) So uh, I'm, I'm pretty ecstatic for it. I really like the revival. Um, They're one of the tag teams in the WWE that I think work well. They have great fucking matches, even though I don't know a lot of their characters, isn't their fault. I think it's more of the push and the more time that they could get on TV, which isn't prevalent because, you know, there's tag teams throwing pancakes around um, who get more shine than the Revival do. Uh, And that's not a, you know... A dig at them. I just think that the the super silly gimmick bullshit that they pull um, over the guys that are you know real wrestling, the top guys or whatever their fucking gimmick is. I think that should have been pushed way harder than anything. Like, look, the Usos, fucking great tag team. They had great matches. Uh, they've won the titles numerous times. That's a tag team right there. That should be pushed a lot more. I think one of them keeps getting into trouble. I think it's a problem, but tag teams that really make it serious and, uh, can, you know, hard hitting moves and uh, make a big deal, uh, in the tag team world. They should have, I mean, these teams should have been 
at least co-main eventing WrestleManias and doing bigger, bigger things with bigger tag teams, winning against legends instead of jobbing out to them, um, stuff like that. I, I don't know. That's just my take on it. Um, next bit of news is that Double or Nothing is probably canceled. Uh, we all kind of knew it was coming, but the MGM Grand uh, canceled all things through the 31st. So that kind of rules out that May 23rd date. So I'm sure um, tickets and all that stuff will be still valid when it is happening. But uh, I see a lot of people probably getting their money back. And then once they announce it again, um, you know, signing back up. I'm, I'm sure a lot of these fans, especially all of our, uh, I mean, we're still all pretty young who are, who I see are into AEW. There's a lot of little kids and like 30 year old, uh, old wrestling nerds that probably hate the WWE, <laughs> um, and are now here, AEW just ready for it. Um, so I think we'll all be fine in these big crowds once everything opens back up. I know that's probably not something that's going to happen very soon. Um, but th- this, uh, you know, Voldemort thing isn't going away anytime soon. Um, you know, been hearing a lot of people talk about it's just going to be like the new flu. We're going to get vaccines, blah, 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 all that stuff. I'm sick of fucking talking about this shit. Um, so next bit of news. Uh, the XFL has laid off pretty much all of their employees and suspended all operations and maybe done indefinitely. Holy shit. Round two XFL already down the shitter. Um, I mean, it's a bad time to, I guess, have put out a fucking football company. Uh, I think it would have done great. Actually, a lot of people were excited for it. It did great numbers. It kind of fell off pretty quickly, but I think it would have picked right back up. Um, but I really don't know shit about fucking football. I don't, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. Um, it's just not my thing. And so that's it. That's all I got on that XFL bullshit. Um, so next segment is homework. The homework this week is actually a WWE match. It's one of the matches I remember as a kid being really excited for. And it was Jeff Hardy versus RVD in a ladder match for the uh, Europe. Pretty sure um, one of them had the European title and the other one had the IC title. And they were kind of like merging them together. So whoever won, um, you know, was the title holder. And go watch it. It was actually a pretty fun match. It was a TV match, so it wasn't that long. It won't take you that long. Um, but yeah, Jeff Hardy versus RVD was on Raw. Um, it was a good match. I liked it. It was fun. Uh, it wasn't like anything, I mean, super big. It wasn't like a Kenny Omega Okada match. So this, this week's homework was just a little bit of nostalgia of mine. Uh, Jeff Hardy, he was my favorite wrestler growing up. Uh, you know, that was my, the guy that I wanted to be like. I was always doing the Swanton Bomb on the trampolines and, all kinds of shit like that, but yeah, so that was homework this week, so you guys know what to do, just hit me up, uh, tell me what you guys thought about that match, give it a rating, I don't care what you do, uh, some of people have been just, you know, shouting out, hey, that homework was great, I haven't watched that match before, it was a really good insight, or, you know, just giving a little bit, uh, 
of your opinions on things. I love talking to people about matches that I liked and uh, stuff like that. You know, just pro wrestling talk, man. I like fans being fans. Um, Twitter um, fucking sucks for pro wrestling fans. Everything I turn on, I, I mean, I follow a certain couple of people and then just wrestlers uh, because everybody's fucking toxic and hate, like just spewing hatred all over the place. They just, and most of them say shit and then you'll go look at their profile and, and it'll be the complete opposite. Like they just say shit just to get a rise out of people. It's, it's kind of fucking weird because you know if you were in person and you said, oh, I like pro wrestling, and they'd be like, hey, me too, and then you guys would talk about shit, and it wouldn't be this big argument in person, it would just be a normal conversation, like, oh, you know, in my opinion, this is the best guy, oh, man, yeah, he's pretty good, this is my favorite guy, uh, you know, I like WWE, no, I like AEW, it wouldn't be this big fucking fight in person, it's just not like that, uh, I've talked to many people, there's a guy at my local fucking Walmart that he does not like AEW, he likes NXT, he likes WWE, but he still can have a conversation about it without him going, oh, you fucking marks and blah, 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 and like talking like a douchebag. We have a normal conversation. He asks, hey, what'd you think about this? And I go, eh, it was all right. Or, oh, it was so great. It was a great match. And then I ask him the same thing and he tells me his opinion. That's how it should go. That's it. It shouldn't be a fucking argument every five seconds. Anyways, that's my fucking rant on Twitter fans, pieces of shit. Um, so, we have a new segment, because apparently uh, Being the Elite is throwing fucking matches on the episodes. Uh, they had two matches, and it looks like they're going to have a third on next week's. Uh, I don't know if they're going to put a number one, another one out that they just haven't like said yet, but this episode lead it up to one. So, the first... Um, match on BTE was um, SCU versus Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon, the librarian. Um, So this was prompt because Peter Avalon drove all the way to Brandon Cutler's house just to tell him that he was a loser. Uh, And then Brandon Cutler decided to say, you know what, you're a fucking loser too. We both have zero wins on our records. So he goes, you know what, I have a match set up right now, uh, we're we're going to get a win, we're both going to get a win, and surprisingly, this was fun, it was entertaining, it was actually shot really well, it was a different, you know, camera views and everything, it was the Young Bucks doing the camera operations, while the other one um, did like a hard cam uh, <laughs> view up, t- up top, they had like a ring set up into a, in a tennis court, it was it was pretty weird, but I mean we're in the weird times of no fans right now, so this really wasn't that bad. And they shot it so close that it just looked like fun. It looked like them all having fun, getting in some reps, and um, you know just being pro wrestlers. Uh, but both guys ended up getting rolled up and pinned by SCU Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. Uh, it was pretty funny. So they both lost. So at the same time, then one of them wasn't more of a loser than the other one. So I'm thinking this is going to lead to a one-on-one Peter Avalon versus Brandon Cutler to see who is the biggest loser. (laughs) Um, so the next match was the Young Bucks. Uh, this was a match to see if 
uh, Nick Jackson was ready to go back to work because um, he supposedly hurt, uh, which really was he had a baby. He was taken off for that. So they built an angle around it. So the Young Bucks were versus um, Jobbers. Is that what I wrote down? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, team High Risk. Uh, local guys, probably friends with the Young Bucks. Um, it, pretty funny spot. They're walking down, and he's like, we're missing something. And he snaps his fingers. Oh, there we go. And got his ent- uh, Young Bucks entrance music rolling in. Um, uh, I loved it. It was pretty cool. The double Northern Lights suplex that Matt does, sometimes he gets more than that, but just throwing those two guys back. I don't know why I like that that spot so much. It's really fun. Uh, Matt Jackson, definitely... Um, just a great wrestler. They, I mean, they both are. I just meant uh, super fun spots like that. But it was it was actually a really good match. I uh, really enjoyed it. Um, and the Young Bucks ended up picking up the win. Uh, and it kind of looked like they, they were almost going to lose for a second. But, you know, picked up a win. And as they're walking away, they're, he's like, you know what really would, you know, get me back? Get me back in this uh and Matt turns him, do you want somebody to die? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Is it like a, a move that you guys are going to do? Or is it like going to Fridays or something like that? Because uh, they used to do that in a lot of BTE or, or when they'd have meetings and stuff like that. Um, they always talk about TGI Fridays in Japan. So I don't know what it could be, but I'm sure we're going to find out either next week or the week after that, or they'll keep leading it up. So it's a big surprise kind of thing at the end, a big payoff. Um, and then we get this little segment where the jobbers, I mean, high risk, um, challenge or get challenged, sorry, get challenged by Kazarian to a squash match. And they're all kind of excited. And CD says something like, I haven't had a squash match since uh, Beyond the Mat or Beyond the Ring or whatever it was called, Um, which is actually on Netflix right now. I I started watching it. I think it's Beyond the Mat. Um, Maybe it's Beyond the Ropes. I don't fucking know. I forget it. But it's on Netflix. Um, I think it was a pretty funny segment. Uh, But that's the first time we went over BTE on this show. Uh, BTE is Being the Elite. It's a YouTube series that the Young Bucks do, where at first it was just vlogs, travel vlogs, kind of behind the scenes, a little bit stuff, and then it's morphed into this um, this show where they can further along storylines. They have their own storylines, and it's a lot of skits and gags and like little things that just uh, show you who these guys really are. Um, so they have a really good... Uh, YouTube following. That's kind of where it all started. The Young Bucks got really big from their YouTube following, like really, really big. And it was to the point where wrestlers at indie shows were coming up to them. Hey, uh, um, are you guys doing BTE this week? Can I be on the vlog? Um, so stuff like that is really cool. I love YouTube for that. I, I actually consume a lot of YouTube content. Uh, another YouTuber that has a great following is also a AEW superstar is Sammy Guevara has a great vlog. He does travel stuff. He also does skits now. I think he kind of ripped it off of the Young Bucks just a little bit. Um, and then he's not an AEW guy. It's all ego Ethan Page's vlog. I think it's called um, 
fake names, no gimmicks, or no gimmicks, fake names, something like that. He's got a really good vlog. He goes behind the scenes of like TNA, Impact, or whatever it's called. Uh, I think it's just Impact Wrestling. Uh, and he does uh, indie stuff, and um, it's actually a really good vlog. He's a really funny guy, very entertaining. Um, I think that dude's a star, too. He's a great wrestler, but he's got a great personality, and he seems like he's a very genuinely nice person. So uh, check his stuff out. Check Sammy Guevara's out. But if you're not watching fucking BTE, I don't know what you're doing if you like AEW. They have everybody on it. There's always these really funny skits. It's just a nice little piece of content. It drops on Monday at like 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and then later on that night, they usually drop the Road 2 uh, series that Cody and his, um, I don't know if it's his company or if it's just TNT that are, is doing them now, but the Road 2 is kind of further along and they have promos. And that's where I get some of these audio segments and promos for this uh, podcast. So um, yeah, that was uh, the being the elite uh, matches this week. So we're probably going to get more. So they they challenged them to a squash match for next week. So it'll be high risk versus SCU squash match. Um, I think it'll actually be a pretty good match. That high risk team, they really weren't jobbers. I'm just I'm just talking shit. It's me being stupid. Um, they had some pretty cool moves. Um, so yeah, check it out. AEW Dark this week um, was more of the same kind of indie guys versus AEW guys. Um, this time they had Cody and Tony still on commentary. Um, so this first match was Lee Johnson versus QT Marshall or Marshall. I think he likes Marshall, so it's not just Marshall. I don't know. QT is this guy's trainer. He's Lee Johnson's uh, wrestling coach, or his trainer, not coach. Um, Lee was kind of swappy, swappy, sloppy. See, I'm even sloppy. Um, In this match, you could probably tell he was a little bit nervous. Um, But QT pulled him through this thing, hit a swanton, um, which was really fucking cool. That's obviously Jeff Hardy. He's my favorite, so... I like seeing the, because I mean, he really kind of pulled it into it. It wasn't just like a senton, uh, you know, normal little flip. He actually kind of put some flair onto it. It was really cool and got the win. And we all knew he was going to fucking win. Uh, I don't know how he got busted open under the eye in this match, but QT got busted open. Uh, maybe it was like a nail or um, maybe one, maybe they fucked up a little bit. Something went straight into his eye, maybe his own finger. I don't know, but it, it his eye right underneath his eye on his upper cheek was bleeding, busted open. So that was actually really good, really good match. Uh, kind of nice compared to last week when QT Marshall got fucking wrecked by Brody Lee. <laughs> but uh, next match was a guy named Ryan Piles, Piles, Piles. I don't know. Um, versus Wardlow, uh, and MJF came out there, and basically Wardlow came out there in a full suit, took off his jacket, took off his tie, took off his uh, button-up shirt, and then picked this fucking guy up and F-10'd him, or whatever they're calling this F-5 variation where he fully rotates the guy instead of just the half spin out into like a face plant thing. Um, So yeah, picks him up. F5, only he spins him completely and the guy goes flying. And (laughs) 
just completely squashed this dude, pinned him. And I, in my opinion, this Ryan dude, I think he was trying to land um, too safely to where it probably fucked him up worse because his body reacted instead of just letting it, letting him kind of hit flat. Like if you watch somebody do a moonsault where they land more on their, uh, more completely flat than if they try to catch themselves is when you see people get hurt. Um, it's just my opinion on it. That's what I've seen growing up. It's when people try to, their bodies tense up or react instead of just letting it happen naturally they usually get hurt that way and that guy looked like he almost kneed himself on the fucking chin because he tried to land awkwardly to not he was he was trying to brace he wasn't ready to get thrown around like a fucking rag doll <laughs> but uh yeah pins him that was it jimmy havoc and tony were on commentary for this next match and jimmy havoc was kind of awkward kind of he didn't talk that loud so you couldn't really understand him or hear him you kept hearing little bits and pieces and then tony responding to him which tony Giovanni is great he always um brings out the best and most of the people he talks with uh it was tony Donati versus kip sabian and the always smoking hot penelope ford um this tony Donati guy kind of had like a uh, pink Bret Hart kind of look like his hair kind of even looked like Bret Hart. He kind of worked like Bret Hart or at least tried to. Um, so if he, I think if you just get a different name, Tony Donati, just, it just doesn't, I mean, it sounds like an indie guy, get a different name. I don't know, put, a, put a, a little bit more gimmick on the guy, but keep him kind of Bret Hart almost that way. I mean, he looked decent. He looked all right. Uh, especially against Kip Sabian. Uh, it was actually a very wrestling-based match. Uh, I was surprised that Kip Sabian was as well-rounded as he was. Uh, he ended up winning by a submission. And uh, it was actually a really short episode of Dark This Week. That was it. That was all the matches. Actually, being the elite, I think, was longer this week than fucking AEW Dark, which is kind of weird. Um so that that was it. We're going to hop uh, right after that into a promo that Cody cut uh, talking about the TNT tournament for the title. And this it was put on before Dynamite. So we're going to go ahead and play that. And then I'll hop right into the uh, AEW Dynamite. Why do I want to be TNT champion? Wrestling is so linear, you're going to hear the same answer to that question over and over again. You'll even hear the announcers strike some of the same hyperboles as they describe the stakes. The wrestlers will give you that real wrestling school, paint-by-numbers interview where they say things like, you see, uh, the boys in the back. Or my favorite, they'll perpetually say their own name or the person they're wrestling against or the person who's interviewing them over and over again. Like I said, wrestling is linear. They might even do the, uh, that thing. You know, where you pantomime, where you indicate that you want the belt. I've done it a thousand times. We've all done it. I'm guilty. Wrestling is linear. 
but these are not uh, linear times, are they? I think we'd all give our last dollar for a little bit of normalcy, a little bit of linear. It's my personal hope that we get through this just fine. We want to live by each other's happiness, not each other's misery, right? So why do I need to become TNT champion? It is not the fame. It's certainly not the, the added money. It's not the, the specialized lower third that they put on the screen. It's not even my specific unique circumstance of trying to carry a last name that is worth 58 years in gold. It's much simpler. It's because I don't want to lose. AEW has four major pay-per-views. Double or nothing, all out, full gear, revolution, and I'm 50-50. I felt lost and I don't ever want to lose. The motto, the expression, what the nightmare family means, it's sitting on the side of my neck. It's when we say, do the work. It's not do the work and lose. And this tournament is flush, is rich in talent. Take Cole Cabana. Probably the second most experienced guy in the tournament. Does a better flip-flop and fly than me, Dustin, and Bully combined. Ask anybody in any locker room world over. They'll tell you they love Colt Cabana. Well, frankly, I do not trust a wrestler that doesn't have any enemies. Kip Sabian. As far as the UK goes, they know how to make a wrestler. He's a stud. And that hellfire fiance of his, she's quite the wrestler herself. But what happens when two cohabitate, they're either gonna motivate themselves upwards or they're gonna drag themselves down to Complacency City right next to Jobber Avenue. Darby. I'm not gonna take credit for Darby, but I feel like I handpicked Darby. He's clearly the fastest rising star in all of wrestling in any company, hands down. He's putting on weight by the day, he's assassin quick, but Darby is a freshman on the varsity squad. I don't think he has the mental aptitude to finish this tournament. My oldest friend, if you could put it that way, Sean Spears, my former tag team partner, kind of my Dick Murdoch, could be a world champion pretty much anywhere he wanted to be. But Sean Spears is king boo-boo face, and he will mentally defeat himself before we ever even lock up. Sammy Guevara, don't let all the flips fool you, and believe me, Sammy is one of the very few wrestlers in the world who can even do all the flips. He has an utter, nasty, mean streak. Don't believe me? Ask Kenny and Hangman's eardrums. My brother. I love my brother. But wrestling Dustin at double or nothing. Beating Dustin at double or nothing. Split my soul to the bone. I don't ever want there to be a rematch, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say I think he's the best wrestler in the tournament. That just leaves us with Big Lance. 
Jake Roberts has sure had a lot to say to me about Lance. You think I'm shaking in my boots because of your one-time reign with a title that I personally held, so I'm talking to you from first-hand experience, a title that Puro and casual fans alike consider to be about as worth as much as this ashtray? Come on, I'm not shaking. If you think I am, think again. I'm not gonna comment further. I'm not afraid of Lance Archer. Every one of those guys. They want to be TNT champion. Difference with me? I need it. I mean, come on. These promos from this guy are just fucking phenomenal. I mean, can you can you tell me another wrestler in the game right now besides like a you know, Jake the Snake cutting a promo or any, any of the other baby faces out there right now that can actually cut a promo like this fucking guy. Uh, I mean, he's, he has a lot to, um, what's the, what's the fucking analogy that I'm looking for? Um, basically, <laughs> I'm gonna fucking throwing that out there. Um, basically he's, oh, he's got a lot to live, to live up to. I don't think it's an analogy. Uh, I'm stupid. The, his dad was one of the best promo guys out there. Him and like Ric Flair and, and stuff like that were great fucking promo guys. So he's been around them his whole life. So I'm sure that's where he got it from. Shit, Dustin has a good, he's got a good promo. Uh, he cuts a good promo is what I meant to say. Um, but Cody, man, that's, promos like this uh, were decent. But promos that make you feel emotion that Cody can bring out of people that's why he is my favorite wrestler now. Jeff Hardy was before, big live action, extreme, blah, blah, blah. And I've kind of morphed into this, I don't know if it's just some fucking old wrestling guy thing that happens, but I like that he's more ground-based and he does a lot more serious things. And he the promos, he makes you believe um, in pro wrestling, man. He makes you get fired up for it. John Moxley is another guy that won me over with his promos and his in-ring work. And it wasn't like, I mean, trust me, Kenny Omega, best wrestler of alive. Uh, but if Kenny Omega had the Cody promo skills, he would be the greatest all around pro wrestler that has ever lived ever. Uh, that's in my opinion, but anyways, so Cody Rhodes cuts this promo, basically talking about how he needs this fucking title. Um, and I thought the match at the end was fucking awesome. So we're going to get to that at the end. But the match itself, him, Spears, uh, they had a nice promo package in the middle of Dynamite. The setup to this was great. The first match that they had, I was ready for. I really love that match. Arn Anderson, Arn Anderson coming down hitting the spine on the pine with that spine buster. Uh, really cool spot. Basically telling Tully, it's fucking done. It's over with. Quit interjecting. Um, laid him out. It was good, man. It was really good. I love the chair shot heard around the world. I really was hoping that um, he was going to be able to use that chair more. I think it's kind of lost the chairman gimmick. 
kind of lost its, you know, it kind of, it just lost its flair to it because he never fucking hit anybody with a chair after that. I think they should have done a lot more spots where Tully slides in the chair and while the ref isn't looking, um, you know, just smash somebody with it. Not in the head. They don't have to do it in the head. They could just do it in the back. Um, or, you know, with the guy's hands up, uh, something like that, or kick it into his face or, you know, doing them spots where they, uh, he could, you know, DDT somebody onto the chair or do the Death Valley driver onto the chair kind of spots, stuff like that. He could just use it a lot more and, you know, have that chair not be his gimmick, but kind of, I mean, he's called the chairman. He changed it into that. Um, so I think he should have leaned a little bit harder into it, in my opinion, um, but anyways, beginning of AEW Dynamite. I don't know where that uh, twang came from. Um, <laughs> Jake the Snake uh, cut a promo, and I've been trying to find this fucking clip of this audio, and I couldn't find a good quality. Like, I found a chopped up version, which they basically chopped out all the fucking segments where it actually meant something. So I'm just going to have to talk about it until you. Uh, kind of what he said and where he's going with this, but he's basically was, he was giving Marco props, uh, during this telling him like, you know, um, you were, you probably thought that you were, uh, getting in the ring, showing them that you're not afraid. Uh, but man, Marco's stunt, the way he got tossed around by Lance Archer, uh, was fucking ridiculous. But he kind of went on to say, like, Cody, you're just, uh, you know, are you the cat? Are you the mouse? Uh, you know, basically he's telling telling everybody Cody's kind of dodging him, throwing all these uh, jobbers at him, which Marco's not a jobber. The next guy that he faced tonight really was. He got zero offense in. Marco at least fired back and looked like he could actually uh, not win, but it made Marco look a million times better that he could stand up to somebody like fucking the murder hawk. Um, but if you haven't seen it, go back, watch the beginning of this episode. Great fucking promos from Jake the snake. I feel really bad for the guy because he is stuck in a fucking hotel because he came out here to put on this stuff for us, make this content for us fans. DDP straight up told him if you leave, you cannot come back. That's it's just what it is. Yeah, we can't get sick. I'm too old for this shit. So if you leave, you want to go do that shit, you can't come back. So he's literally stuck in a hotel by himself. Um, I mean, the guy's a recovering addict still. He's got a routine that he likes and gets him through the day. I have read his Twitter. He said he's not going to break. Um, so that's good for Jake. Congratulations, um, for not diving back in because you're, you know, the whole world's falling apart. That means he doesn't have to. The whole world is falling apart, so you don't have to. No, how, do you, how would I say that? Anyways, the guy's doing fine. He's probably a little bit depressed. And he's by himself, just, you know, probably doing some DDPY and then watching fucking TV all day uh, would be shitty, uh, especially when you did this to come down to help a company. I just hope that they're at least doing something for the guy. But, I mean, they probably are. They got enough money. They could probably do whatever they want. Send them a bunch of food. They'll probably send them hookers. I don't know. 
<laughs> sorry. Um, but yeah, I I love his promos lately. His promos have been amazing. That the way he talks, the raspiness, it makes you stop what you're doing and fucking have to listen. Um, which he's always been that way. Uh, it was great. Uh, so then this next or first match was uh, Lance Archer versus Alan Angels. I, man, squash match, basically what it was. Uh, fucking this choke slam suplex thing. It was like a one arm choke slam suplex. It was fucking brutal looking. It looked awesome, and. He just smacks this dude around, uh, hits him with the fucking blackout for the win. And Tony Schiavone has Chris Jericho on commentary. And let me tell you right now, Chris Jericho was firing on all cylinders. He was fucking great on commentary tonight. He made this episode uh, just grades higher than it was. His shit was so funny. It was so fucking funny. Just off the cuff, rambling, good fucking promo skills. I mean, he would go in and out of the Les Champion gimmick to actual commentator where he was actually talking about the moves and what's going on. And then he would go, um, you know, Tony Giovanni's like, oh, look, there's Danny Jordan. He goes, Danny Jordan. Who the hell is that guy? Shut up. <laughs> Danny Jordan, shut your ass or something like that. <laughs> Basically, who the hell is that? <laughs> Nobody cares. Um, I like Danny Jordan. I think she's great. Um, I hope they sign her actually. But um, this this match was a squash match. It was to make Lance Archer look even that more badass before he goes against Colt Cabana. Uh, but I see what they're doing there. They gave him the smallest guy. Now they gave him a slightly bigger guy, and then they're going to give him Cole Cabana, who's a little bit bigger, and then you're going to see that Cody versus uh, Lance Archer, which they kind of almost uh, stack up to each other. So it'll make Lance look really big, really uh, badass going against Cody Rhodes, because uh, we know that's where that's going. This big storyline is going to come to a head with this TNT tournament, um, but he's got to get through Sean Spears first. Um, so we'll see later tonight, uh, what goes on. I'm acting like I haven't already watched it and know the end or that you guys haven't even seen the end, but we're just going to pretend it's pro wrestling. Let's pretend. Um, (laughs) so this next segment was actually the first match because this, the last one wasn't even a match. It was a fucking beatdown. uh, was Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida. Now, I love Hikaru Shida. I think she's great. She's the number one contender. Uh, Britt Baker was yet to sell me on her at all. Her couple heel promos were great, but they weren't great at the same time. Um, This match was probably by far one of the better matches she's had, and it had a lot to do with the color that came out in the match, uh, which means blood, if you guys don't know what that is. So she got busted open the hard way, which means she really got, you know, smacked in the face with a knee or a kick or a punch or something like that. And it literally busted her nose open, bleeding all over the place. Um, She was still a little sloppy during the first half, uh, but she's getting much, much, much better. Um, 
the bit man the the spot where the baby faces on the outside of the ring so they had a lot of indie people and wrestlers outside of the ring again and it was in that smaller place which i'm liking that a lot more than if they were at daily's place um, because then you don't see all the empty seats and stuff like that so the they were they all were holding her down and hikaru shida so hikaru shida put her over the rail and kind of held her over to where she could have DDT'd her. You know, they do that through the ropes. But this was on the outside of the ring. And all the baby faces came over and held her down. And then Hikaru Shida ran up and did a jumping knee into her face. And it was a really cool little spot. Um, the match gets way better into the second half. Like, as soon as the blood started, it, you could see that she was shocked. And that she was also like, fuck. Um, you know, and a, a couple people, man, when they get hurt, they just go hit the finish and get me out of here. But she still knowing that she was going to be putting somebody over it still went through, did the job, got pinned. It says a lot for her as a, as a person, character, everything. Um, it made her stock go up in my opinion. Um, I know that it's her job and she's got to get it done, but some people, don't don't view it that way they'll just cut the match short because or you know things like that so she gets busted open baker sold fucking great for sheeta uh, there's a spot where she's trying to get in that lockjaw, which is like a manable claw with a uh, submission hold at the same time and uh, she's asking the ref for the for a glove because you know the blood and the coronavirus and all that stuff so she's asking for the for the fuck i said coronavirus Damn it. Um, for the Voldemort virus. Um, we don't even say his name. Why am I saying his name? Anyways. Um, <laughs> and Hikaru Shida ends up rolling her up and pinning her off of a uh, running knee. And it was actually a really fun match. It was pretty cool. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And after that, we got this, uh, this segment with Kenny Omega and... Michael Naka Naka Nakazawa, um, and they were in a trailer. I also tried to find this audio, a good version, but they skipped a lot of it. But this is the one that really caught my attention. I don't really know what Jake the Snake said because he talks about a lot of shit. So you guys can just watch the episode and see that one. But this one, it was Nakazawa and Kenny Omega, and he was like, you know, hey, we have a match tonight. Um, uh, you know, we need to come up with a tag name. Kenny Omega is like, you know, we, we just need to come up with something. I don't know what it is. And Michael Nakazawa was like, oh, the best friends. Because, you know, we are, in fact, best friends. Kenny Omega is like, well, we already have a best friends team. They're actually really well known, really popular. And he's like, Michael Nakazawa is uh, like, but no, we are really best friends. And Kenny's like, yeah, I know. And basically... Michael Nakazawa was like, you're an EVP, just make it happen. <laughs> Kenny's like, well, yeah, I guess I am. And then out of the bathroom comes Orange Cassidy, uh, just staring at him like, you guys, <laughs> the best friends walk in and they're like, we heard everything. Um, you're trying to take our name. You know, we have families. You're trying to take our livelihood. It was such a funny fucking segment. Uh, Trent and Chuck, man. Uh, well, and Orange too 
fucking hilarious on bte they're always funny on dynamite they're always great great spots super funny talented guys i think they've both had great match chuck used to be a tag partner with kenny omega uh way back in the day um so it was just really funny and (laughs) so they walk out of the trailer and kenny's like oh well i guess we're in a match to see who uh who could be called the best friends (laughs) So that was the stipulations of this match going into that tag match tonight, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Um, and the next segment on Dynamite was the John Moxley and Jake Hager promo segments. They had fucking two of them tonight. Uh, the next segment after this was the Sean Spears and Cody promos. I'm going to just play them Um the first ones, because you don't need to hear them fucking twice. It was really kind of just filler time, stupid. There were slight variations in it, but you don't need to hear everything. So we're going to start off with this Mox Hager. Hager. Um, promo, and yeah, here it is. Me and Jake Hager are not in the business of putting smiles on people's faces. This is going to be ugly. This is a fight. This is violent. Next Wednesday on AEW Dynamite. I'm a prize fighter. I fight for my family. You know, people I actually care about. I'm not trying to be their hero. I fight for the zeros. I don't want to be champion for love of sports. I want to be champion because it pays more. I don't think people at home understand the kind of pain one must endure to vanquish a foe like Jake Hager. But they're going to see it. Empty arena. And in this scenario, I wouldn't have it any other way. Two of All Elite Wrestling's fiercest competitors will collide for the AEW World Championship as Jon Moxley defends his title for the first time in an empty arena, no-holds-barred match against the formidable Jake Hager. We are a house of winners, so if he doesn't come home a winner, then he doesn't come home, right? So that's kind of our motto. It's like you work hard, you play hard, and you come home a winner, you don't come home. I fight for my family. My wife has sacrificed more than anyone for me to have these opportunities. For me to just have the opportunity to step into a cage or an AEW ring, it's for them. I think the thing that separates him from everybody else is his dedication to being the best. It burns inside of him every day. He wants to be number one. Facing the best that AEW had to offer, Moxley proved time and time again that he was a force to be reckoned with. The feeling of another man's skull being smashed and broken. I'm not ashamed to say, but I kind of like it. He defeated nearly every top contender that stood in his way and ultimately shocked Chris Jericho and his inner circle at Revolution. The winner of this match. Yet, waiting in the shadows is a skilled fighter. When I saw Moxley hold up that AEW championship, I knew it wasn't gonna last. I just didn't know it was gonna be me to stop him. Timing is everything in sports. Everybody knows that. And I think right now is Jake's time. He's kind of 
coming into his own as far as fighting and wrestling goes at the same time. I guarantee he's the best shape he's ever been in. He's the hardest he's ever trained in his life. Harder than he trained when he was in uh, All-American in college wrestling. Like, this is his time now. This is his time to be champion, not only for Bellator, but for AEW. None of this was supposed to happen. It was never announced, but I was scheduled to fight for Bellator May 9th. I've been in fight camp since the beginning of February. So now we're here, and I can promise you this. Fans will see John Moxley get hit harder than he has ever been before in his entire career. People need to really understand how much work this guy puts in. You know, a full-time, there's nobody in the history of MMA and pro wrestling that did it at the same time. A lot of guys have been very successful and being able to go crossover, but Jake is the only guy that's really doing them both at the same time and being successful with it. And I think this is just a drop in the bucket of what we're gonna see, you know, when, once he wins the AEW Championship, Bellator's next. It's no secret why I'm here in A&W. It's no secret why I'm in that inner circle. I am money. Who else in the world can do what I can do? No one. Still undefeated in MMA and AEW, Jake Hager is perhaps unlike anyone Moxley has faced to date. You know, a couple weeks ago, I hit Jake Hager with a DDT. The DDT I had perfected. A move that I have dropped just about everybody in this business with. Then three, four seconds later, I find myself in an ankle lock. And like a monster movie, this man has stood back up to his feet. That's a humbling moment. That's what I'm walking into. But it is no holds barred. And that changes the game just a little bit, doesn't it, Jake? I'm professional in two sports. I want to be AEW World Heavyweight Champion and Bellator Heavyweight champion. Me and Jake Hager, we don't get paid by the hour. So this match might go three minutes, this match might go 30 minutes. Well, however long it lasts, from bell to bell, for the duration, it is going to be hell. I'm in there with an absolute animal. There's not a lot of people that are doing both sports at once. That is not easy. You can't just wake up one day and think like, oh, I'm going to do MMA and I'm going to do pro wrestling. So the fact that he's doing that and he's succeeding at both of them, is extremely impressive and you can't deny it. Everybody around the world is gonna see and hear and feel every second of hell I have to go through to defend the AEW championship that I will defend with my very life. So these promos really felt like, especially when you're watching them on TV, that it was like a UFC, um, like um, 30 days before the fight or whatever, how they, you know, 10 weeks till fight time or you know they do these segments where it's basically a bunch of video packages on each fighter and um they do it a lot for the ufc you know i know you guys have seen a million of these things it kind of felt like that it kind of feels like this match is going to be a very violent very brutal match by the way that they're talking about it. it's not going to be a lot of um you know still be pro wrestling but i think mox is going to give us a more violent thing it's a no hold bar match which you can't have a lights out match for the title. So I'm thinking this is just going to be a lights out match. Um, basically, you know, thumbtacks and all that shit. I hope he brings all that stuff out. I hope they have a very brutal fucking CZW type match with light tubes and all that stuff. Cause there's no fans there. They just have to worry about each other so they can kind of go a little bit more extreme and put this on TV, man. This would be great. Um, I'm hoping we get some some great brutality out of both of these two. So that's next week's um, episode of Dynamite. Uh, will be Jake Hager 
and John Moxley world title match, EW world champion, uh, will be crowned there. Or not a new one. I'm sure Mox is going to win. Let's just be completely uh, um, straight on this. But Dave Meltzer has, I guess, seen it already, and he's not going to spoil what happens. Um, but he said it's actually a hell of a match. So that's uh, that's pretty good. Um, I, I don't always take Dave Meltzer's things to heart, but when he gives a lot of praise to a lot of AEW people, um, people are like, oh, he must be on the payroll and all that stuff. No, he just sees the hard work and dedication that's going into each thing and that they actually give these matches on TV some fucking time to play out and show a story in the middle of the ring instead of each week giving us the same match over and over again, different variations. And it equals out to if they just went out there and had a fucking 15, 20 minute match, they just put them out there. You got three minutes. You got four minutes. It it just doesn't make for good pro wrestling, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that's what I that's what I think about what's going on there with Hager and Mox. Um, so now we got after that the Cody Spears build up promos for tonight's um, AW Dynamite TNT tournament for the TNT Champion uh, tournament match. It was Cody versus Sean Spears. Here is the promo package. This was something that Warner Media really wanted. And how different is that in wrestling? That's your your network. They want to have this beautiful title belt and it be representative of them and representative of AEW and us. I think it's I'm very lucky and I'm damn sure work hard and, and have, have the wins and re- have remained in the top five even since full gear so I deserve to be in the tournament uh, but I think everyone who's in it's also lucky. My expectations walking into AEW is the same as everybody else to get to the top. The only problem is that there's X amount of guys there's X amount of time there's only X amount of spots at that top so one by one you just gotta pick them all up. Not a lot of firsts in wrestling anymore this would put me on the map. I think it's a really romantic outlook because I'm unable to wrestle for the world championship. And that stipulation that just kind of like remains an albatross and, and haunts me in a way. It's very romantic to think, hey, here's here's one that I can go for. Of course I drop Cody in the first round. Do I look worried? Do I look nervous? Not one bit. Why? Because I've been waiting eight months for a rematch. Eight months since All Out. I'd have a huge keloid scar across the back of my head from when that chair essentially just ate my head, that fighter. You never forget that. But Spears has been turning on me since OBW. Spears with a chair shot right to the side of the head of Cody. Why did I smash him in the head at Fighter Fest with a steel chair? I don't have to explain myself to you. I did what I did, and I did it for the right reasons. Would I do it again? In a heartbeat. I don't think Spears can beat me. I don't think Spears is ever going to be able to beat me. Finally get my redemption. Finally get what's rightfully mine. It just so happens now there's a lot more on the line this time. Some guys get to the top and others do not. And sometimes it takes a long time. In my case, really slow learner. I am of what now, 15 year, hopefully overnight success. One by one, a man of my experience understands one step at a time, one focus at a time, one victory at a time. I think I deserve it because I'm the best wrestler in the tournament, but I don't. I want to take it one match at a time. This allows me to go down in history, and this can never be taken away from me. So this tournament is mine. So 
in this tournament, um, as Cody is my favorite wrestler, you know, I wanted him to go all the way and win and have this big thing with Lance Archer, but Sean Spears, man, he's just a great, talented person to our, you know, pro wrestler to where I wanted him to win this match. I wanted him to beat Cody and go on. I think him and Lance Archer would have been a fantastic match. Um, dude, I mean, Sean Spears is still a fucking big dude. He would have looked great against, uh, Lance Archer. And I think, um, you know, with his school and everything, he had a lot on his plate to where him being a big presence and on dynamite, uh, was a little bit, not more of a stretch, but he could have done it. He could have easily got a bigger push. I, I really wish out of, uh, what was it all out or one of the pay-per-view, I think it was all out where him and, uh, Cody went at it, um, for that big match. I just wish some more storylines would have came out of it for Sean Spears, uh, I just, all the little shit that he does is great. I mean, in this match, he did a lot of it too. So out of that promo segment, I was like, man, well, there's my phone. Um, man, I hope they really give something for Sean Spears to dive into. And that's why I'm really excited for this. The, the revival coming in and having Tolly be their manager. I think that would be fucking great. It would be an awesome little segue into the, uh, the four horsemen and, you know, have hangman be the actual horse in the group. <laughs> so it would just be fun, fun to see that. And he's always teasing it and tagging, uh, the revival guys in things on Twitter. So anyways, next match was the best friends versus Kenny Omega and Michael Naka, Naka, Nakazawa. God, I got to quit doing that. So this tag match was not a uh, Kenny Omega, Hangman, Adam Page, super powerhouse, six-star match, but it was very entertaining, uh, very funny match. Michael Nakazawa, I hated him, and I hated the oil. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate him. Uh, that's not true. I didn't like the oil, but this time the oil was a lot more in use in fun ways that actually made sense. Um, like the first spot it got cooked in. So Sean Spears was actually on the outside going, all right, all right, show me what you got and you could be my tag partner. Cause he's still doing that search for Spears tag partner thing. And, uh, so him and Kenny are going against best friends, super fucking funny, but he starts off, uh, puts oil all over his chest and Trent goes to chop him and his hand slips right off. So he's like impervious to fucking chops now <laughs> with, the, with the slick chest oil uh, gimmick. It was really funny. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know what to make, like think of it at first. And then he, uh, he did another spot where he <laughs> lubed up the fucking ring ropes and was sliding Trent across it when he uh, racked him on his nuts so, and they called it the hentai slide which I'm not even going to go into what hentai means but it was it was really funny uh him and Kenny Omega had a couple funny uh double teams where he slams Nakazawa's face into Chuck's <laughs> groin and just little spots like that were really fun and exciting and it really took your mind off of things uh and just made you laugh and and have fun with pro wrestling again. 
And so this is the other side of Kenny Omega. If everybody who's only seen the strong side sees this side, this is what, um, like my buddy hates this stuff. He only likes heel Kenny Omega that basically beats the shit out of everybody. Uh, but this side I really like. It was really fun. Um, and I enjoyed it. Uh, it was a great match. The best friends ended up uh, picking up the win. Uh, Chuck ended up rolling up Michael Nakazawa, or was it Trent? No, Trent uh, got Michael Nakazawa for the win. Uh, so they get to be st- the best friends still, and uh, Kenny and Michael Nakazawa uh, get to go home a little, a little less best friendish, I guess. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know what the payout of this was, but uh, I think it's kind of. It kind of sucks that um, Hangman Adam Page can't be like in with everybody to like do these uh, dynamite tapings because he's kind of quarantined in Virginia or wherever he's at. Um, so he can't really be around with his tag partner, which kind of sucks. It would be nice if we could get some, you know, uh, tag team title defenses out of them. Obviously, they put on fucking great matches, but this one was still fun and exciting. I, I enjoyed it. Oh, wait, um, Michael Nakazawa does that fucking thong thing. That's the reason I don't like him. That shit's weird. He pulls out a man thong out of his gear, uh, and then brings it up like a manable claw, and then puts it in people's faces. I mean, it's kind of funny and stuff like that, but, like, gross. Fucking gross. (laughs) It's just gross. Um, the next, uh, the next segment was a Brody Lee... Uh, vignette promo segment. It wasn't a promo. It was a vignette. Uh, him in the Dark Order. Him just kind of coming up. And uh, I'll just play it. You gentlemen understand perception is reality. You understand that? So why do you two look the way you do and he looks the way he does? When I send you out on a trip, What do you think people think of you two? You look like them, like you could be one of them. When you walk through the airport, what do you think the perception is of you? You think it's power? Wealth? Look at you two. Look at him. I am here to make every single life I touch extraordinary. Okay, you understand that? And when it gets laborious, when it becomes a sacrifice to you, that means that you two are looking at the exit ramp and not the highway ahead, where the next sign reads, unlimited power, unlimited success. Do you two understand? Get your act together and show me that you want it. I have an opportunity for you. So he's kind of, you know, still leaning hard into this Vince McMahon spoof, not spoof. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure we're going to have another couple twists and turns here and there. Uh, I think he's just trying to show like the corporate side of things that is wrong with pro wrestling. Um, Just the way that people that think they're better than other people treat like their followers and their still cultish. It's not as cultish as the other members were, but we also don't have the other Dark Order members here because they're quarantined. So 
they're doing the best they can. I still think it's really great. I like where Brody Lee is taking the Dark Order. Um, it's just fun. It's fun for me, uh, in my opinion. The next segment was a Britt Baker uh, promo after her match. And it was kind of her just talking about, you know, I'm glad she didn't fuck up my teeth. Look at me. Uh, you know, Hikaru Shida is the nastiest uh, girl she's ever been in the ring with. And um, I'm just really glad she didn't break my teeth. And then she goes, well, I guess I could have fixed them myself because, you know, I am a dentist or something like that. Uh, I tried to find this audio, but then I forgot I don't care. Uh, so <laughs> um, the next uh, spot on Dynamite was another Mox and Hager vignette promo segment, like an entire another version. It was almost the same, exactly the same, only like slight differences. So I'm not going to fucking play it. Um they're really leaning heavy on this UFC Bellator style of like um, vignette talking about the fight, talking about the fighters. You guys heard the audio. It was it was different, but I liked it. Uh, but they played it again, a uh, whole nother one. And uh, so we're going to skip that because we don't need fucking two of them. And so the next segment was uh, Matt Hardy's promo to the inner circle. Welcome to my humble abode. Welcome to the Hardy Compound. I am on dynamite this week to respond to what the whole of the ass Chris Jericho said last week. And for some reason, he was asininely sitting in a tub that is hot in leather pots. Chris Jericho, you insulted my allies, the elite. Let's take a look at the men you surround yourself with. Chris Jericho, the circle that is internal. The Spanish God, Sammy Guevara. He is a false God. As a matter of fact, he is also probably a fraud Latino. Can he even speak Spanish? I am sure if I went up to him and said, que paso, he would respond, no hable espanol. And then you have proud and powerful. I would rather call them loud and devourable because I love Puerto Rican food. I cannot wait to sink my teeth into Santina and Ortiz. And then there is the big man, Jake Hager. He used to actually be smart, very intelligent, very well spoken. But you have him totally brainwashed, Jericho. A Jakenstein. If you put two bolts on the side of his neck, the transformation would be complete. I know the circle that is internal thinks it is going to take over all elite wrestling, but I will not, I cannot allow that. You tried to recruit my most loyal soldier, Vanguard One. Never! As a matter of fact, bring me the shot, Vanguard. Vanguard, my friend, come down. Vanguard. That is not the shirt I asked for. I mean, suddenly I'm happy to see my beautiful, resplendent, magnificent, wonderful new shirt. But I was asking for that shirt that the dastardly Chris Jericho gave you. You said it's fire. Oh, dumpster fire. Yes, of course. Literally, it's a dumpster fire. This is what is going to happen to the inner circle. They are going to become a dumpster fire because they shall be broken. Myself and the elite shall delete, delete, 
utterly damned. Lay hold of the ass. I have a very special offer for you. Accept my invitation. Come to the honey compound. Face me in the elite deletion. Lay hold of the ass is what he's calling Chris Jericho. <laughs> Uh, Sammy Guevara, the false god, <laughs> probably doesn't even know Spanish. Uh, this is funny. This is really good. Uh, challenging Chris Jericho to a elite delete match at the Hardy compound. So, um, I'm hoping they shoot it like the, like the free the delete stuff that he's done. Like the, fuck, what was it called? Basically, the Broken Matt Hardy stuff. Um, him and Jeff Hardy had a really good, you know, kind of movie-esque match. And they just did it with AJ Styles and Undertaker at WrestleMania. And uh, the Firefly Funhouse stuff with John Cena and their match. Very uh, movie-esque kind of stuff. Uh, which they totally ripped off Matt Hardy's style of doing shit. Um, he did it well and got it over and then the WWE was like, eh, we don't really like it, but they let him do the one with him and Bray Wyatt and they never let him do it again. But now they're going to fucking just rip it off and, and make it their matches with, um, fucking, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just over there blatant. Oh, if it's somebody else's idea, it's great. It's, you know, shit. But if it's our idea, it's it's great, and we're going to use it. It's just kind of stupid. I don't know. I fucking hate that guy. Um, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be completely honest. I'm pumped. Matt Hardy, Chris Jericho at the Hardy compound. Hopefully the inner circle's there. Hopefully Matt Hardy's got his little people or maybe some of the elite uh, to back him up. I think it would be really fun, really cool, uh, different uh, – scenery there hardy compound they have some he's got some pretty cool shit so um it'd be it's gonna be awesome um now the next match was lee johnson versus brody lee the exalted one uh this was a fucking smash job it wasn't a jobber match it was pure power fucking beat the shit out of this lee johnson guy Spinning discus clothesline for the win. It was fucking cool. Uh, Chris Jericho really putting this guy over on commentary. He was doing a great job all night long. Um, I'm really liking that Brody Lee's getting the chance to just smash the shit out of people. Kind of like what they're doing with Archer. Um, it's just cool little stuff like that. Cool spots. Um, definitely smashed jobber match. It was fucking ridiculous uh the next segment was a spears cody part two um i don't know why we needed that another one of those again they did this literally twice so they did it with mox and hager and then they did it with spears and cody i guess they just needed a lot of filler time um they should have just made longer matches or added another one in there uh, but i know they pre-taped a lot of stuff so they could stretch it out till at least mid-may um so, oh well, we're going to skip that second one too. It, it was almost exactly the same. So and then we finally get to the main event of Dynamite. Um, and it was Cody versus Sean Spears, the first match in the TNT tournament. Uh, Cody coming out with smoking hot Brandy Rhodes. 
um, and Cody Sport in that gold and green gear. It's like a forest green gear. Yeah, I thought it was super dope. It was really cool. Um, Sean Spears looking jacked as shit. Um, it was a very technical match, and at the beginning, very uh, man, just some hard chops from Spears. Uh, Miss Moonsault from uh, Cody landing right on his damn face. Um, and then he he pulls it into a pile driver. Spears pile drives uh, Cody. And it was pretty fucking vicious. I think Jericho even said the same thing. Like, it was fucking vicious. It looked it looked sweet, man. It was really cool. Um, Spears pulled the fucking feet out of the guardrail and laid it on its side of the ring and uh, ended up slamming Cody into it, uh, suplexing him into it. It was really cool. Um, this pop-up powerbomb spot that Spears did was fucking awesome. Uh, and then uh, Cody set up. So Spears brought out the table. Cody set up the table. And then they, you know, the match went on. The match went on. Brandy was up on the side of the ropes. Almost got pushed through the table. And um, and then Cody got pulled back into the ring. And Spears Death Valley drivered him to the outside of the ring through a fucking table. It was fucking legit, man. It was so cool. Uh, I think if Spears would have capitalized on that a little quicker, pulled off maybe another move in the ring, he would have probably had Cody right there. Uh, but Cody made his uh, comeback, hit two crossroads, and then I thought it was it. Spears kicks fucking out. It was really cool. Uh, to see how um, resilient Sean Spears was. Uh, I think this was almost a better match than their their last one. Uh, it, it was at least just as good. It wasn't... I mean, I think if there was a crowd there, it would have been fucking insane. People would have been going nuts. Um, dude, Spears is so good with the little shit. Um, but Cody ends up hitting him with that figure four... And his shoulders go down because he's in so much pain. And Aubrey counts it as a pin. One, two, three. Cody is moving on um, in the tournament. So now with that being said, Cody moving on into this tournament. That means we got to see Sean Spears, Cody 2. We get to see Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen 2. We get to see Kip Sabian go after Dustin. And we get to see Lance Archer, Cole Cabana. Now, my predictions are going as planned right now, but I still think Darby Allen's going to beat Sammy Guevara. I think Lance Archer's definitely beaten Cole Cabana, and I think Dustin Rhodes is beating Kip Sabian. Now, the reason I think this is because I think Lance Archer is going to smack the crap out of Dustin, really beat him up, really either try to hurt him or try to make like he's putting him out or something like that and then Cody's gonna have a lot more to fight for and you know to revenge his brother blah 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 all that stuff I think that's and then we're gonna get Cody Lance Archer and it's gonna be fucking epic um but that was it that was it for Dynamite guys uh I thought the episode was great uh I really like the close quarters with the wrestlers around the ring it makes a big difference um, we've seen a lot of Austin Gunn and Billy Gunn on AEW content, but we haven't seen their matches yet. So hopefully they've taped a lot of stuff and we get to see 
them in action because I thought they were really entertaining. Billy Gunn was always entertaining. The dude is fucking huge. He's jacked. Um, uh, this match at the end, you know, we got to see Brandy Rhodes. That's always uh, great in my book. Um, but that was it. Yeah. End of Dynamite for this week. Uh, so you guys know what to do. Share this podcast. A like, subscribe, whatever, all that stuff. Uh, you know, rate it. Give me some feedback. Tell me what I'm doing right and wrong. And um, tell me how you think uh, all these matches went. Uh, let me get your opinion. So hit me up on Twitter at jingler 88 or the 100 Elite Podcast Twitter hundred at 100 Elite Pod. And just uh, hit me up. Give me a follow um, and spread the word, guys. Uh, let's get this out there. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, you guys can find it everywhere you get your podcasts. Um, Google, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Anchor, all that stuff. It's on. It's out there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but again, guys, uh, stay safe, stay healthy from uh, the Voldemort coronavirus, whatever. Fuck, I said it again. Um, <laughs> but anyways, stay safe, wash your hands. And uh, I will see you guys on the next one. MCs, so you can call me Legion, but we are many. You are one, we have plenty. You have some, you're taking this so serious, but I'm only doing this for fun. You're walking backwards while I run, met with doubt, cause you're out done. Open my mouth, this eye, you're up, regretting what you just begun. You're never stopping me, you're never stopping this. You never saw me coming, but you must acknowledge this. So I'll just bring the heat and leave them powerless to try to step to me, so maybe you should cry.